What's up, y'all? Welcome into this week's Hold That Podcast podcast. We're recording this on New Year's Eve. If you're listening to this in 2020, Happy New Year's. I am T-Bob Abair. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Brody Miller of The Athletic. Um, a couple things to note. If you want some movie talk, we <laughs> randomly couldn't help ourselves because I just saw Marriage Story. We it was not down, planned. Uh, we sat down and talked about 20 minutes of the movies of 2019. Didn't hit on everything, but we'll, we'll put that at the end of the podcast if you want to check that out. Um, Brody, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. It is really good to be back in Louisiana after yep. eight days in Atlanta and also just an entire month of being on the road nonstop from Atlanta to New York to Atlanta again. So I am fantastic to be back. Right I missed now. the New York trip. I went all Atlanta, uh, SEC championship into Columbus wedding. Oh, yeah. I into about that. in-laws into playoff. So I spent every weekend in Atlanta in December and I'm very happy to be back as well. Remember the whole that podcast podcast is brought to you by Abear Specialty Meats. Go get all your holiday meats right there off of Jefferson or in Prairieville, and it's brought to you by The Athletic, which, big news for the Hold That Podcast podcast, Brody. Have have you talked to John Hayes of The Athletic? Yeah, oh yeah, so he, he reached out to you, good. He DM'd me yesterday, <laughs> so and good. if you want to see your boys live in action along with, I think Staples is going to be there. Well, the, the, the focus of the event is Staples. Is, yeah, yes. Staples is doing, Andy Staples, of course, our national college football writer, is doing his podcast, a live recording at the House of Blues, correct? Yep, House of Blues, Saturday before the national championship. And I was obviously going to come on as one of the people covering the national championship, and then we had John, God bless him, had the idea of like, Let's mesh these podcasts a little bit. So he's having T-Bob come with, and I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, so this might also be the first step in getting the Hold That Podcast <laughs> podcast under the uh, athletic umbrella. Be careful what you wish for, though, because so, that might put us behind a paywall. Uh, we'll see. Uh, e- oh, is that not – are the podcasts not free? They're kind of – they pick like pick and choose where, like, which things are like hmm. – we'll talk that out later. We'll fight we'll, we'll Our, fight agents, for our you. agents will get involved. We'll fight for you, our listeners. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to come out of the House of Blues, I think it's going to be noon to three. We'll, we'll, we'll nail it on the time as we get closer. But that Saturday before the Natty, if you're going to be in New Orleans, we're going to be hanging out. It's not just all recording on stage. You're going to be hanging out, drinking with everybody who comes out. Uh, for about an hour before we record as well. So if you want to come see me yell at Brody live on stage and have some drinks, and if you want to listen to Brody try to be contrarian and throw cold water on all the things that you're excited about, come out there to the Hold That Podcast podcast. Feel What's bl- that face? Still blindsided right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was that was a little over over aggressive. You you just try to maintain a very objective yeah. Uh, neutral had to take as a journalist should. Yeah, as a journalist should. Never get too high, never get too low. That's all. I love getting high though, Brody. So with that, <laughs> let's start <laughs> off <laughs> the brand new hold that podcast. Wait, podcast. I have something I wanted to ask you actually. Yeah, we can okay. cut this out if you can, if you need to. All right, no, no, you're good. Go. What's up? I meant to ask you this on last week's pod, but I think it might be even better to do it now. Yeah, what you got? I heard from some sources a story, and we should. It would have been better in Atlanta, but of you and your Atlanta trip, and I believe 2011 or so. Uh, you getting maybe a piggyback ride from some homeless people in Atlanta? Um, hmm. For the S, wait, when would we have gone to Atlanta in 2011? What are you talking about for the SEC championship? Because you didn't part, we didn't get to party for the SEC championship. That's the thing. I didn't know what specific event it was for, and I was told this about eight days ago. So my my memory might be a little foggy. It's from a bachelor party. I don't know, man. Look, it's not jogging anything in my brain, which means that I was probably irresponsibly drunk at the time. So if you are indeed a 
a homeless individual, and I jumped on your back for a piggyback ride. I apologize because I was 300 pounds at the time, and I hope that you asked me to, and I didn't just do it without you asking. Yeah, I got the sense you probably gave him money for it or something. But That's even shittier. Uh, so I apologize for Drunk Bob. Who told you this story? Can you name names? Or is I, this I a, cannot name names. Is this a confidential source? I cannot name Is it somebody that I played with? You got to give me a hint. No, but it was someone around the program, though. I'll tell you off air. All right, all right. Uh, okay, so as we uh, let, let's talk about the game because we are going to be on a little bit of a truncated schedule here. Um, LSU beats the hell out of Oklahoma. We kind of saw it coming. Basically said as much in the last pod that LSU had a lot of advantages. So may, maybe let's start with this then. Um, the things that I did not see coming. Yeah. I thought that Oklahoma's offense would have success early. I thought that LSU would maybe get a stop here or there, and then before you knew it, oh, look, they pulled away. LSU's defense, we'll talk a lot about the offense, but LSU's defense dominated from the jump, dude. I mean, shut down Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think that's where I think we were almost surprised, right? It was from the very first play, they got pressure on Hurts. The counters they tried to run, LSU stuffed in the backfield. I believe discipline our, assignment football, uh, which is the number one thing Dave Randa said is like he's like I just had to teach them that like this is assignment ball. This isn't like what you think it is. This is triple option football. Yeah, and you need to be assignment based, and it looks like it worked. I mean, it was crazy. They the amount they just embarrassed them on the line of scrimmage in the front seven, which to be fair is exactly what some LSU staffers privately suggested. That's, That's exactly yeah. what they said. Like we're going to destroy them on the O line. And that's exactly what happened. They just always had pressure on him. Always did that. Ceedee Lamb was able to get his shirt because he's a freak. And like, uh-huh. and even even his that he got. Now he dropped the one that he was wide open. That's a good had. point. But even but that was at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, no, that didn't matter. But I'm saying even the one that he got though, Jacoby actually had great coverage. It was just an incredible yes. throw and an incredible catch by Ceedee exactly. Lamb. Exactly. <laughs> and so when I look back on this game, Dave Aranda's exact thing he said on the 23rd was, you know, we just need to we need to make Jalen Hurts try to beat us by throwing. And Jalen Hurts was 15 of 31 for 217 yards, which actually I need to pull up the first half stat because that's actually what's going to tell you more because that's when the game was actually competitive. He was 5 of 18 for 101 passing yards. Wow. So wow. The second half got a little fleo, things just happened, you know. But it was, yeah, they embarrassed him because they shut down the run, took that away, and they had 59, they were averaging 3.3 rushing yards in the first half. And this and this is why this LSU team looks so scary to me. Um, for anybody that are going to play Brody, is that they now look like a team that has, like, four first-round picks on the defense. They didn't always look like that this year. And I don't know if Kalamon's first-round pick, but I'm talking about... No, he is. Okay, so there you go. So, Kalamon... I think he's he's already late first round. I think he might be working his way to, like, top 20, though. So, there you go. Kalamon, Stingley, Delpit, Fulton. I mean, and that's not even... the Patrick Queen, he told you before the game they weren't going to be good. My guy, Patrick Queen, backed it up. He dominated. I mean, he. I think, by the way, just a quick tangent. I think he is the most. Him and Jacoby Stevens are the two most fascinating of all the like will they go pro guys. Yeah. Because Patrick Queen would not have been on anybody's radar four months ago, but one teams are going to fall in love with a fast linebacker like that. Dame Brugler, the Athletics draft analyst, which shocked me when I saw it, had him as the number two underclassman inside linebacker. I had no idea he was on boards like that. And I'm not saying he leaves. I talked to one staffer who's like, if he comes back, he will have a like maybe not Devin White, but that kind of superstar kind of season. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, he looked unreal. Honestly. He did, and yeah. and and like I think the key thing that you hit on there was speed. Uh, that's sure. what he has. It's the name of the game in the NFL right now. It's why guys like Debo, Deion Jones are so sought after, um, and even Devin White. Did you see Devin White on that fumble return for a touchdown Sunday? Not this week. No, he's just. I mean, his. The funny thing is, he had one like two weeks ago. Yeah, right? the, maybe it was that same one. I don't know. Um, it was against the Falcons. I don't know. Go okay, on. whatever. The point is, his 4-4 speed, he was like, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Uh, so Patrick Queen played great. 
obviously all the defensive backs, just the defense as a whole dominated top to bottom. And if you're an LSU fan, it's it's the reason why you opened up as a five point favorite over a Clemson team that hasn't lost in 29 straight games. You have a starter in Trevor Lawrence who has never lost a game. Speaking of which, how about Lawrence's wheels? I mean, I what? Mean, He's not the quickest, but that top-end speed, He's got that stride. When I mean, he got going, he was going. It's like I, he had those rough two weeks of the world started talking about, like, man, Lawrence taking a huge step back, and he's, like, throwing some picks. People were, It's like, Trevor Lawrence, there's a reason people said he would have been the first overall pick as a 19-year-old true freshman. Yeah. I mean, he is, like, one of the all-time best quarterback just, like, prospects. And I'm not saying, like, ignore it. Like, don't make this into a Lawrence versus Burrow thing. But, like, God, he is so good. And to see him have a game, Pat Forty wrote a really good column on it that night, of, like, to see him finally have a game where football didn't come easy to him and, like, really got challenged by a good defense and then still just have the cojones to, like, lead that game like he did and make those plays and beat an unreal Ohio State team. It's, like, that's why we say. That's why I always look point to the Burrow Auburn game is like I think the game I knew for sure he was the real deal. Yeah. It's like because I don't want to see you when you're perfect. I want to see you when like things get hard. And it's like that was Lawrence was as impressive as ever there. Yeah. So um and 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 we'll talk more about Clemson here in a bit. Uh, so that jumped out to me defensively, offensively, Brody. I think it's just the. Every time you think things can't get more gluttonous, um, you go and you throw seven touchdowns in the first half. Like, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. The offense is, it's, I do not possess the vocabulary <laughs> to accurately honor how good this offense is. Yeah. Um, this, because I actually, call me crazy, and I might, obviously got out of hand late. I almost feel like the Oklahoma defense played kind of well, at least the first quarter. That's my hot they, take. They got they got they got they got, they got the second series three and out. They got a three and so, out. I, mean, I guess there's that. But what, what, what come no? But here, seriously, what comes to me when I watch that game is like the this was the game that stands out where it's like there was nothing Oklahoma could do because they were playing they were pressuring Burrow out of the pocket often. He had he had trouble finding guys often, but they just made the most ridiculous plays I can remember. This was the game where it was like it was just them being better because. I think of, obviously, the Burrow scrambling around the sideline, chuck up the Terrace Marshall play when Oklahoma called a perfect play. Yeah, that was awesome. Or I think of the play where Burrow scrambles right and hits Jefferson on the run in the corner. and just like Or the, the Terrace Marshall downfield pass. I'm forgetting kind of the context of that one. But like this game was just them making absurd one-on-one catches with great coverage and Burrow making throws in the run. Like They were making life hard for them. And it, it was the most LSU was just looked to me like, Oh, there's just nothing you, can you just do. can't do anything. Yeah, and and what I was struck by with the success of Terrace Marshall early on, yep. is that like if you don't follow this team, like we 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 talk so much LSU that as I tweeted, you can't always see the forest through the trees, right? Like I don't know what I have no great perspective on what's common knowledge to the average person who sits down to watch an LSU game because I have names like. Like uh, like Tory Carter in my head, right? Like like yeah. names that like you know that people don't. Re- and so, what does the average person think when they hear about Jamar Chase and winning the Blitnikoff? They see Justin Jefferson's stats and they put it on screen. He's got over a hundred catches and a thousand yards and eighteen touchdowns. And then they see that the third guy is a six-five burner named Terrace Marshall, who looks like he can outrun and outjump five-star, a guy who can outrun and outjump anybody on your team. He might be the most like theoretically talented of all. Of them. <laughs> and, then, and then you got Dad Moss, and they were playing running, without Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Over, yeah, and you got Curry. Who shout out to Chris Curry? We talked to O about this this morning, but because I asked him, like, Coach, like, 
you know, TDP was the guy outside of Clyde the whole time. How does Curry suddenly jump? And as the story goes, uh, so when Clyde went out, he was saying, you know, you, you, you start to get other guys' reps. You get a kind of a better look. And then Curry just played. Curry practiced his ass off. He just he just – he just wanted he wanted in practice. In fact, I heard that it was Joe Brady that before the game basically said, "Look, Lee Curry's the best guy right now." And and and, wow. and I said, "Yeah, let's roll." Where'd you hear that from? And then uh, sources. Hey, not yeah. Look, so <laughs> not you're, you're no. Not it's the a good, only journalist. In that's here, a great Brody. detail, man. I'm like, you're, shit, not, shit. you're not the only bro- journalist in here. I know. Man. Good work. Got to protect my sauces. But uh, <laughs> but shout out to Chris Curry who hey, he just proves how absurdly talented the LSU offensive roster is right now because Clyde's out. And then Curry shows up and kicks ass. And then, like I said, you, you sit down and see Terrace Marshall's number three. And then what? Thad Moss is the fourth option, maybe even the fifth with a healthy Clyde. Yeah. It's it's. What, so this is why the Clemson game is fascinating. Because is there a more respected defensive mind than Brent Venables in all of it's college him and football? Aranda, yeah. And and it's him trying to game plan against this LSU team, trying to get these like old 90s high school football-looking white linebackers to try to contain this LSU attack, which I don't know if there are more South Carolina high school football players than Clemson's linebackers. I have not watched uh, Clemson all year, and I was shocked when I see these old-school-looking bros with these huge neck rolls, just yeah. like cinnamon on blitzes constantly. And it's like that every year. Who's the guy like two years ago, like Chase Boulware? Yeah, is that I his name? name? Like They always yes. have him. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of like a, like a Wisconsin O-lineman thing where it's just like, <laughs> yeah, Clemson's going to find some old, like... Just a, just a good football player. Not like a huge NFL prospect. Just like a solid Their D-line player. is the biggest physical specimens you will find in the sport, but their linebackers, they're like, all right, all right, Brent, we got a five-star who's a freak athlete. We could take him. Well, there's a three star who's got who's got anger issues. Yeah, three star. He's got a lot of tats and he loves neck rolls. Brent's like, I'm in. Here's the deal, though. They sent those guys constantly at field. Yeah, Brent's like, does he have a neck roll? <laughs> yeah. But but they sent those guys constantly at fields, right? If you try to do that to oh, Burrow, yeah. you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna get torched. But obviously, Venables is gonna have a new plan and, for Burrow. I just and Venables, don't know what that let's is. Not, I think Venables. I know like we you and I like to joke that like, oh, everyone gives Venables credit for stopping Bama. It's like, well, they're the best D line in football. That's how you stop yeah, Bama. Yeah. But at the same time, he is the only DC who ever stopped Bama at like at that Bama offense. Well, and I'm just I'm just go coming from the point of when you hear people and coaches who know football way better than me talk. Everybody shows a ton of respect to Venables. Like sure. this is, you know, an NFL guy here, just on the college <laughs> level, or one of the smartest minds in all football. Just that just seems really happy, happy as Clemson's D coordinator for whatever reason. I mean, I mean, I think there are two offensive minds you always hear about, like NFL teams call Lincoln Riley, guys like that. The two defensive minds who every NFL team likes to talk to are Venables and Aranda. Yeah, like they all want to pick their brain on how you stop these modern college offenses. And I mean, here's the stat that just blows my mind. And this is not updated, unfortunately, with this week's game. The SB, like some of the Bill Connolly stats, but and you have to take this with a grain of salt because Clemson's schedule is not good. But it doesn't matter. It's still that's so crazy. They, Oklahoma was the number one S and P <laughs> offense, weren't they? Yeah. And then LSU just. Yeah. Shut them down. But well. so the stat is an opponent adjusted, which they have a bad schedule. But I don't care. This is still the matter. What still the ACC. Clemson is number one in both efficiency categories in stopping defense. In defense, number one stopping success rate and marginal efficiency. They're number one in both explosiveness categories and ISO points per play and marginal explosiveness. And so, so this is not adjusted. This is not not adjusted. Okay. So yeah, like uh, their opponent adjusted. They're ranked as the third best SP plus defense. Okay, but. I'm sorry if you were one in every single efficiency and explosiveness category. I don't care your competition is. That is just astounding. 
No, I mean, look, Clemson has built an empire, right? Like, there's no, there can be no doubt about that. Brody, they're playing for their fourth natty in five years yep. right now. I mean, think about that for a second. It's, uh, it, it's nothing short of incredible. And, it, and, and one of the great ironies of this game is that despite that fact, so Clemson comes in having won 29 games in a row. They're going for 30 now. I didn't realize it was that high. Damn. Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game. <laughs> um, they're playing for their fourth natty in the last five years. They've won two last three, and yet Dabo still gets to play the under underdog card, and it's a legitimate card. It is like that's how crazy good LSU has been this season, and and even Vegas agrees with them opening as the favorite. But yeah, Dabo gets to sit there and be like, "Oh, I mean, shucks, I guess like we just you know we're we're the we're this incredible. We're just gonna have to try to find a way to beat him." <laughs> like Dabo, you are. It's it, it's like he is Darth Vader pretending to be Luke Skywalker and in as this much scenario. As, <laughs> I love that. And as much as us media members laugh at him for it, it works for him. It really works for him. And it works with his team, it seems like. And it probably works in recruiting. So it's like, we can mock him, but he ain't going to stop doing it because it works no. for him. And, you know, LSU truly is the juggernaut here, which is funny. I remember, we were talking um, on the bus ride back from the game. We were talking to Bruce Feldman, you know, my colleague of the Athletic. And he kind of said something that I actually completely agree with. He's like, this was the first game where I really watched it and just really felt like, oh, LSU should win a national title this yep. year. Yep. And I want to, like, don't take it the wrong way. I've always thought LSU was one of the two or three best teams of college football, all those things. They've always been amazing this year. But I kind of just, like, deep down in my gut, just kind of had this feeling of, like, they're the only one of those three with, like, a weakness. Or they're the only ones the one you could really see kind of, like, it it a few weeks ago we were having those comments. Yeah. It just seemed like they could be get vulnerable against a better team. And now I'm just like, oh, this might be the team. This is like this is the team. I mean, back. what they to do what they did to Georgia and Oklahoma back to back weeks is as impressive of a two game stand I think as you will find uh, anywhere in the country. It's just because it wasn't just that they won; they utterly they made those teams look bad, and those are not bad teams. For all the talk of expanded playoff or not expanded playoff or Oklahoma or this or that or who would have been better than Oklahoma, let's not forget Oklahoma was the only choice for that fourth slot. Yes. Like they were, they were the clear fourth best team. Everybody thought they were really good. It's just that LSU made them look uh, really, really bad. So I can kind of jive with what. You and Bruce are talking about there because, and, and that all goes back to the defense, right? Like this, ever since the ever since uh, he took the week off against Arkansas, Grant Delpit, and then he came back the next week. Um, it's been a completely different defense. They they just they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're, it's a defense that people expected to see for all year long, and now you're seeing that talent that they have finally start to produce. Like statistically to back up the talent, absolutely. And you kind, of, we kind of called it leading into the game. That's I probably say you more than me, maybe. But and it kind of shows the versatility they're at now, where they did kind of what we expected. They did the one a lot, a good amount of the one high safety yeah. with Mo Hampton back there, or someone or Delpit or whoever. They mix it up a good amount, but they they're now versatile enough to do those three safety looks with Delpit, Stevens, and Hampton on the field, or Delpit, Stevens, and or and uh, Vincent. It could be anyone, but. And really get creative there where you those corners are so good that you can trust them to lock down. You're going to stuff that box because you can get enough pressure that way yep. and trust the one high, and it worked. Now, it's not going to work against Lawrence. I think you need to go too high, you would think, against Lawrence, right? You think? I, 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 to be fair, I'm, I don't want to offer a lot of Clemson opinions I'm on not this fully, cast. I haven't fully dove in Because yet. the yeah. only game of Clemson I've watched was Ohio State. Yep. It's, it's too, they're too boring to watch otherwise. Like, it, do you gain anything of value watching them beat the shit out of Miami, right? Like, no. like I, Or whoever else in the ACC. 
Um, I don't have a ton of respect for the ACC. Although, uh, you know, Virginia put up a pretty good fight against uh, Florida last night. Oh, yeah, night. I think Virginia's good. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that kind of is about Virginia Tech conference. turned out good, weirdly enough. After looking like the biggest disaster, they ended really strong. Yeah. And I actually think they beat UK. And then Miami they play the UK in an hour, and I think where they Miami win. just became an ever-descending... <sighs> cesspool that then ended losing 14 to zero in the independence bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. That's game I've watched. <laughs> that was beautiful football. But oh, uh, I like too high against, cause I mean, when you got ATN as the running back who, yo, did you know he's from Louisiana? Um, he wanted to go to LSU. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you know? Did you know? That? People forget. Um, but when you have somebody like him who's as good of a big play back as there is, I actually even more so like the idea of like a too high thing of like, take away those elite receivers. Cause Ross and Higgins, you know, everyone talks about LSU's receivers and Alabama's receivers. Like Ross and Higgins are as good as anybody as well. So can you? But but that's just so. Do you feel comfortable manning up there though? If there's ever two cornerbacks that you could put on any two wide receivers, the Fulton Stingley combo may be the combo. That might be your best chance to like take advantage of like. Numbers. I just, if you just want, if you're trying to gain numbers in a certain area, exactly. I just think in like every great game LSU defensively has played, I feel like it's been out of man to man. I could exactly. be wrong. I could when be wrong. When they struggle that. is when they've kind of gone to like the too yeah. high, more cover two quarters type of coverage. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just kind of like the idea of having guys back there because one, it's going to help you with protecting big plays in the passing game, but also it's keeping guys in the back end for an Etienne run, for example. See, but I thought Trevor Lawrence didn't always handle the pressure great last week from Ohio State. I, I haven't gone back and rewatched it. I, I haven't rewatched it either, but just watching live, I felt like both sides at certain points of the game were just sacking the shit out of each other. Yeah, because Clemson has a good O line. It's a better one than like LSU's pass rush is not Ohio State's. You know, no, um, there's no Chase Young. Although Kalon's really coming. Oh, he's on. he's kicked ass. Kalon's kicking ass. But yeah, no, just in general, no matter what your opinion, I think it's a good pass rush. But LSU's just isn't as good as Ohio State's. And Clemson has never four sack rate in the country. Again, not playing the best defenses, but still, it's a good O line. I'm not. No one can really argue yeah. that. Um, so I don't know if LSU's gonna get the same kind of pressure. And I don't know. I mean, he still won. Who's that? Oh, uh, Lawrence. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and if you want to talk, you mentioned Etienne. If you want to talk about a a masterclass and great play calling, remember we saw Burrow use his legs to great effectiveness in the second half of that Alabama game, and then they hit him with that fake run slant over the middle. That was a lot like what Lawrence and Etienne did to score that game-winning touchdown where Trevor Lawrence is building it up, building up. He's had all this running success, and then he goes to fakes run it, does a little – dump off over the top to Etienne, and you saw how dangerous he can be uh, anytime he gets the ball in his hands. So, yeah, they're going to stress you in a lot of the same ways, the same way that LSU does. I just, at this point, I just don't know that I feel, and and maybe this changes the more Clemson I watch uh, over this next week, but yeah, I just don't feel there's a better team in the country right now than LSU in terms of being a complete team. And, and, And also, as we keep talking about constantly here lately, as the games have gotten bigger against better teams, a lot of times football... If everything else is close, who has the better quarterback? And right now, I think that Burrow is better. Than but Lawrence. this is LSU has not played well. Tua, but he wasn't himself. LSU has not played a quarterback as good as Trevor Lawrence. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mu- okay, like, I, I don't get me wrong, LSU is the better one. And I'm not like I know I'm I'm simultaneously agreeing with you, but like Trevor Lawrence is like not far behind Burrow at all. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I wonder how NFL scouts would break down their respective games, like if they were coming out in the same draft. Because Lawrence seems to have more of the kind of, 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I would say maybe the base. Lawrence just looks like a number one quarterback, even more so than Burrow. Burrow's got good size, but Lawrence just looks like he was like Lawrence is a perfect three D printed out of a like, hey, I want a great quarterback to and be he's made. Smart, and he seems to have some toughness, and like, yeah, yeah. And then he's this is like, his two, this two best quarterbacks. In- he's like a good kid. He's quoting Ephesians after the game, really? which I I do you think. Do you think Clemson recruits religiously on the recruiting trail? Um, it just, it Tim just Rohan. seems like they have an incredible Christian influence on their oh, team. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, Tim Rohan, well, unfortunately before he got laid off, did a fantastic piece, I want to say in September really? or August, on that exact thing of like the ridiculous Christian influence of Clemson. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, everybody I they it. interviewed after the game, Dabo, Lawrence's, uh, quoting Ephesians like a verse, and I'm very well read in the Bible, a verse I've never even heard of. <laughs> the other cat, I don't know his name, had the two crosses on his cheeks, a la Tua. It's just like, seems very wholesome, and I like that it's juxtaposed with LSU's kind of nastiness and kind of like fuck you attitude. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait to see them go toe-to-toe. But yeah, I'm, I'm just fascinated to see, because LSU has not played a team that has a quarterback that's in charge of things, because Tua would have been it. But you know, just I think he ended up being fine. But early in that game, I don't think he was himself. I think he found himself later, and then also yeah. had enough of a lead. I mean, Lawrence is somebody who can, like a burrow, can pick apart where you're not and things like that. And then it's, but then like some of these other teams they play would have great quarterbacks, and they played a few. Ellinger, Hurts, some great ones. But like none of those teams also had a Travis Etienne as the running back, you know, or they didn't also have. Ross and um, Higgins is the receiver. I mean, Oklahoma would be the best other offense they played, but they're. I'm just not that high on Hurts either. Yeah, and their line was shit. Yeah, and yeah, so it's just like this is a different kind of test that LSU hasn't quite played since the second half of Bama, probably. Yeah, that's fair. That's so fair. I'm just really interested to see what this defense looks like against a true like in charge of his offense guy like Lawrence. Like it's a it's going to be them facing a Burrow type. Yeah, and that's what I'm fascinated by. But on the other side of the ball. LSU hasn't faced – okay, I, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm going to stop myself from saying that because LSU has played every elite defense in the country. But it does feel like Clemson's might be the most balanced defense. I wonder why – yeah. Uh, you know, it's like each one they've played, and I want to be clear. I've been trying to work through this in my own head if Clemson's defense is the best defense that they've faced I'm not, all year. I'm not even using the word balanced best yet because I just don't know, right? But what I will say is I think every other elite defense they've played – and maybe this is stupid as I say. I don't know. But, like, each one has a specific trait they're elite at. You know, it was like, it was Auburn's just ridiculous interior D-line. Or it was Florida's insane pass rush. Or it was, you know, Georgia's just absurd run game. It's like each one has a specific thing. Clemson's is the one that, like, necessarily doesn't necessarily have one thing they're known for. But it's just, like, front to back. Here's elite. the deal, though. Again, I don't think Clemson's secondary can hang with LSU's receivers. Probably not. No one can. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think they can. I think who, who maybe came closest. I mean, if Alabama should have, maybe been able to, and they and, didn't. And, and, and they didn't. They had the best talent. They had the best talent secondary. Florida um, had some. Florida had a deep secondary as well. That's true. And then they. But and then. Well, that I mean. I, I still think Burrow's performance against Florida is the most perfect performance of the year it is i'd love to go back and rewatch. it's like 21 to 24 it's 270 it's just perfection it's not raw gaudy over like it's not like seven touchdowns in the first half but it is efficiency and perfection um so yeah i i i think with clemson's defense um 
The problem is I still just feel like Auburn was best suited to stopping LSU because I think ultimately your strength has to lie in the D-line to stop a quarterback. It doesn't have the names everyone knows last year, but Clemson's front four this year is not that much worse. It's it's incredible. It just doesn't have the names yet. Yeah, and that's what you know, and that and that's what we'll explore over the the next week is because I think that's going to be the biggest factor is number three in the country in sack. How good is Clemson's uh, D-line? And I I, I kind of want the NFL scout view of how good they are, right? Because an easy shorthand way of quantifying how good Clemson's D-line was last year was, what, they had three first-rounders out of yeah. the four guys, and then the fourth guy was maybe, what, like, second or third yeah, round? Like, like yeah. I mean, so it's like, yeah, if you got all guys in the NFL that are going to be day one or day two guys, you're going to have, you're, you're going to be a beast. So we'll, 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 we'll do all that, uh, all that research. But, but kind of through that lens, yeah, it does seem like maybe Clemson is well-suited to giving LSU trouble, but it doesn't matter at this point because yeah. of the test that Burrow has passed. Um, I am just officially at a point. In there was no – I will take no one over LSU's offense. Yeah, I'm officially at a point where I just don't think I've ever seen anything like it where I really think, until proven otherwise, I just don't think there's anything that can stop where Joe Burrow's at right now. Well, it's like uh, there was the quotes, all the quotes from Patrick Queen and – Everybody before the game and Jamar Chase and then Thad Moss after the game. And you hear a lot of LSU people say, well, I mean, we think they're probably like the fifth best team that we've played this year. And people take that as a huge slight against Oklahoma. And let's not get it wrong, it is. My tweet Uh, got blown. Blown. What's that? My tweet got blown the fuck up then when I tweeted that thing about them not even being a top fifteen according to LSU staffers. <laughs> got a lot. Were it's, people pissed because you still, were like, "It's still to, going were on." You like on trying my to take away from LSU's win, Brody. What's your problem? Oh no, it was it was Oklahoma people and oh, everyone really? like losing their mind. Like it was. Oh man, that was that had like three thousand retweets because people were not happy. <laughs> but like LSU staffers called it. They're like, "Listen, I'm not trying to criticize them. I just don't think they're like they're not even like a, they're like probably the sixteenth or seventeenth best team in the country." Yeah. So uh, and and. And so, and so, outside of that quote, because that is a little different than even the one I'm talking okay, about. That's sorry, even, sorry, sorry. No, 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 that's good, because that's even more, like, out there and flamboyant. Uh, but, so they're saying it's the fifth best team on the schedule. And, and that sounds like a huge slight, but when you look at LSU's schedule, it's oh, yeah. actually not as much as you think. I mean, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, those four teams are better, better than yeah. <laughs> And so then the question was, because I heard the same thing, but, like, two weeks before the game, and I said, like, because one person said sixth or fifth, and I'm like, so who's the other one? And he's was like, A and M. And I'm like, what? And he's like, they're about to me like equal to A and M. I'm like, Jesus. Wow. Now that might, I mean, I don't know if I can follow them. I don't. That I don't either. I, I don't think I can follow them. That but that the five right. thing, you can't argue that. No, and, and and the thing is though, LSU. If if you haven't noticed this year, they have played a record amount of top ten matchups. Uh, this was the sixth top ten matchup they played this year. Jeez. Uh, next week will be the seventh. They have played fifteen games, Brody. They will have played fifty percent of their schedule almost in top ten games. Uh, and if they they've already set the record for top ten wins in a year, uh, if you look back going to the AP, it started nineteen thirty six. Six is the most AP top ten wins of all time, and a chance to get seven and extend that record even further. So, Jeez. I guess that and that and this all circles back around to why yes, that is why I will take Joe Burrow against anybody. Because he has proven it time and time and time and time and time and time again against the best. I, I for some I just kind of want to like wrap up this part of the conversation on this Dave Aranda quote that he told Bruce Feldman for our, his story Saturday night. Aranda told about the LSU offense, 
It's like a virus, Miranda told The Athletic. They find your structure and attack it inside out. They attack everything you're doing. He's a it's classic just, smart guy. That's Dave Classic that. smart guy Aranda quote, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Aranda's like the, the process of how a virus breaks down your, your, your cells perfect and your Aranda body. Quote, but yeah. He's also the guy who has to see this offense more than anybody. So he's just like, I think, you know, when he was talking about Oklahoma, he was saying, like, before the game, he was like, they're the best I've seen in the country. Well, next to us, yeah. at, at plays where you're that the defense just can't help it, and the guy's wide open. You don't know how it happened. So, and well, it looks like LSU knew how it happened on Saturday because Oklahoma did not stand a chance. And I think for a lot of LSU fans, they loved it because it was a completely chill second half. They didn't have to sweat it. They just cheered and drank beer, and it was like the whole second half was just like a coronation. Seven touch. Like I think. It's been like this fun game of like Joe Burrow stats, right? This whole year, I mean, like the whole year's been like yeah. everyone trying to one up the other person with the coolest Joe Burrow stat. Yeah. This one's not even an advanced one. I don't think I will ever hear. <laughs> I don't even think I'll hear a crazier stat in my life than the guy tied the record for touchdown passes in a bowl game in one half. <laughs> Set, like so, that's the history of college football: bowl games, like the greatest quarterbacks ever. And by the way, some of those bowl games are like elite teams facing a team that doesn't give a shit. You know, like, yes, there's yes, some. Yes. And so, in a college football playoff game for Joe Burrow to tie the all-time historical record with seven in one half, I, I think that is the craziest Joe Burrow stat ever. And part and parcel of that is Justin Jefferson's performance. Uh, uh, and by the way, we are about to get out of here, Brody, because I know you got to roll. No, no, you're good. Uh, but but Jefferson. What was it, 13 catches, 224 yards, four touchdowns, something like that. And guess what? That guy, who now has 102 catches on the year, he has well over 1,000 yards. Can't remember the exact number. He has 18 touchdowns on the year. He's now tied with uh, Jamar Chase. All he got was second team all SEC. I was gonna say he got nothing. That was all he got. And like it always has and to be. And he seemed a little pissed. He seemed a little <laughs> there pissed. Was some he was out there were some revenge. tweets. Yeah. And like that's the funny thing. It's also worth saying, like, this is just an incredible receiver year. So this wasn't like a diss on Jefferson. This was like the sixth best receiver this year. Well, it's also like they can't give the awards to every. Like they have so many LSU players yeah. on these awards. You at a certain point, you almost the human thing. Like you have to pick and choose, or, or you maybe don't have to, but you just naturally do. Yeah, you can't tough. have it be like the all LSU team. Like if you have a tie, you're probably going to go to the non LSU. Yes, guy. exactly. So it's not like it was a diss on Jefferson. He's there to be probably a second team All American, but it just is what it is. But the fact that he's not All American with those numbers. <laughs> It's amazing. It'd be rare to find. I that. think the best one of the best stats of the season is that the LSU record for touchdowns of the season was twelve, and they might have three different <laughs> receivers break it. Cause I think Marshall's at twelve now, so three different guys might break the record. Like, oh can my we? God. Some of these stats we they're so over the top that you become numb to them. Yeah, and it's yeah. like I just think we need to slow down and appreciate some of these things because we'll never see it again. Yeah. So shout out to uh, Justin Jefferson with the. Incredible. Daddy's Moss has broken both the yardage and reception record for a tight end now. I like seeing Randy in the in the LSU gear tearing up, looking like a proud papa. That was a proud papa. That was a nice moment. Yeah. Um, all right, so there's a little bit of a shorter episode, like we said, about 20 minutes of movie talk on the end. I know a lot of y'all are probably going to yell at us for doing 20 minutes of movie talk instead of 20 more minutes of LSU. But uh, I got to go talk to Ed in 15 minutes. It so. is what it is. Yeah. Um, we hope you have a great new year. Thank you to everyone who supports the Hold That Podcast podcast. Rate it, review it. If you like it, share it. Like we said, uh, it is brought to you by The Athletic. Go sign up now. Great sign-up deals going on all the time. I'm sure you have some great New Year's deals going on right now. 
Uh, and then buy all of your holiday meats, any any meats that you ever need, at A Bear's Specialty Meats. The Pepper Jack Boudin is great. Pepper Jack Boudin oh, so egg roll good. is really good. Uh, any of the stuffed chickens are great. I got a turducken for Christmas. Go out there. Specifically, the one in Bocage off Jefferson Highway or the one in Prairieville. Um, and then come out to the Hard Rock. Not the Hard Rock, excuse me. Come out to the House of Blues the Saturday before the national championship. I think it's noon to three. We'll get you those exact times. But yeah, come drink with me and Brody and watch us talk college football live on stage. We're going to be on stage at the House of Blues. I, know, I don't think it's registered with me yet, and I don't want it to. How does that I'll probably feel? Get really Have you ever nervous. been there? I'm going to need a drink. No. It's really nice. Uh, the only time I've Let's ever see been the amount of drinks I should have to not be nervous, but also not be drunk. Uh, I'm gonna have I'm I'm, like I'm gonna have a, a nice little buzz on. I was gonna say like a cocktail and a half just to t- the wa- take the. No, I'm probably off. gonna have about three cockies before. before uh, yeah, 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 before before you're bigger you get than me there. though. So that's true. Yeah. That's true. So I probably weigh twice as much. So yeah, there you go. One and a half. I think one and a half. Might that be. works out Maybe perfectly. Two. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eight whiskeys. Oh, you haven't seen the movie. Never mind. No, so I've been, so I've been, I've been there a few times to listen to music. But uh, the one thing you should do if you ever get the chance is the Sunday uh, gospel brunch that they do. If All you right. ever want a little Jesus and a little chicken and waffles in your life, it's a great time. And if you want to come hang out with us, come hang out with us. All right, that'll do it for this week's Hold That Podcast. Podcast uh, attached at the end here. About twenty minutes of movie talk of twenty nineteen that we kind of stumbled into. Uh, Brody is a movie connoisseur. If you want to hear what he liked in 2019, or at least some of it, check it out right here. And uh, if you don't care, you can just not listen to it. And we'll be back more with more LSU talk next week. Have a great day. See ya. Damn. Pay off. Um, yeah, that was really good. Um, here, get, talk, talking to your yeah. mic. Talking, 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 talking. Uh, I, saw, uh, I saw a marriage story. That's funny you say that. I literally uh, spent my last night um, putting together my, like, I rank, every year I rank every movie I saw in that yeah. year. I'm at 42 movies right now. Wow. Um, wow. Wait, so what are your movies of the decade? I I haven't updated it with 2019, but I do have it. But, oh, it's in the, like, 300, 200. No, but, like, what's your top 10? I keep mine. Well, I'm going to be honest. Some from this year will be in there, so don't take this too literally yet. But uh, I'll put it up. But guess what my number one movie of the year is? Marriage Story? That's number two. I need your thoughts on marriage story. We left that out. Sorry. Is it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? It is. But I want to say very clearly, my top three, I'm actually still like not confident on because I could any of them could be one. We we get it. You like Tarantino, okay? We get it. Well, you're a Tarantino. You're you're a Tarantino bro. Well, that's the problem. I think Bombback I like even more, and those are my two favorite filmmakers. They're my two favorite movies of the year. Um, which is a crazy take. Those are like considered the two best movies of the year. I absolutely, uh, yeah, I, I fell head over heels for Marriage Story. That's my favorite movie I've seen in years. It's unbelievable. Right? It's so good. See now, so you you love shitting on me for my uh, Bombback love? No, I do not. I I I just um. No, you're just a, you're just a coffee and cigarettes guy. I get it, but but this was this was, I mean, I I, I take back everything I've ever said about Scarlett Johansson. I said that you know I've said that maybe she wasn't the best actress, but I guess I've only really seen like I never saw Lost in Translation or anything, so I'd only really seen her in the Marvel universe. Oh, uh, that's gonna yeah, that's gonna ruin it. And you know the writing on Black Widow isn't exactly uh, anything to write home about. Uh, no, she was great though, and Adam Driver may be the best actor in Hollywood right now. He, yeah, I agree. We talked about this recently. Um, he, uh, yeah, I fell in love with that movie though. I thought I cried a lot, but I thought I laughed even more, dude. It was hilarious. And how about this? Every every now and then, a soundtrack gets its hooks into me, and I can't stop listening to it. I have not stopped listening soundtrack. to the soundtrack since the movie. Oh, and ended. the two song, the two Sondheim songs they sing are. When he sings "Being Alive" from Company at the end, so I don't know what that was from. I understand what so that was a reference to. It's funny. It's like actually a whole thing. How this year has been like a year for Sondheim. 
it's actually like bizarre. Um, like so, th- there's something else that was big, and then oh, it's gonna kill me. But there have been like several movies this year that have like prominently played Sondheim songs, and it's really funny because there's like no reason for that. Yeah, it's, like weirdly worked out. But who's uh, Sondheim? He's like the most fam. He's the most famous Broadway like musical writer. Like, oh, okay. He did like Into the Woods, and uh, I think he actually did part of West Side Story, and like. More famous than Andrew Lloyd, Andrew Lloyd Webber? Probably, yeah. You think? Yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, yeah, then Parasite's my number three. Wait, but then you have to name a Broadway play that I've heard of. And West Side Story, I guess I have heard of. I've just think, never I seen think, it. Yeah, I think he was like involved in that, but I don't think that was like him, him. Uh, the real question on everybody's minds is, have you seen Cats? Okay, so he's company. Um, no, I'm not going to. Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd, West Side Story. Okay, he wrote the lyrics for West Side Story and Gypsy. Okay. But no, he's like just known as the best. But Into the Woods is literally my favorite musical. Um, I've never seen Into the Woods. It's fair. Uh, but anyway, Parasite's number three, and Parasite could be one too. Like it, it's just so hard. I still haven't seen Parasite because you, it doesn't come out on demand till freaking yeah. January. I've or actually never been more confident that you would be so fucking into a movie. I, everybody, everybody I've talked to, like even guys that normally don't have the patience for like subtitles or foreign movies, like even the bros seem super into Parasite. Like it's like one it's of the everything. best movies they've it's ever the seen. Most everything movie I've ever watched. Where yeah. like it is a family drama. It is like a commentary on like capitalism. But is a fucking thriller. It's a horror movie. Like it's, <laughs> it's like I've never seen anything quite like it. I want to see that. Uh, Uncut Gems is still high on my list. But yeah. Oh, by the way, do you know who did the Marriage Story soundtrack? Randy Newman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. about it? Toy and, Story. And then what did Trent you Reznor do? Trent Reznor did uh, Uncut Gems, I think. Really. Um. But yeah, Marriage Story had my head. Mar- Marriage Story truly reminded me of why I love movies. It is just so well done. So it's interesting. Though. So Noah Baumbach is married to Greta Gerwig, right? Yes. And but Noah Baumbach was the hotness back in the day, right? He was always an indie star. Yes, but that's what I mean. Like young genius. Like look at this guy, a little right? Bit, a little like bit. a little bit of a wasn't parallel, a household name or anything. A little bit yeah. of the parallel with the Adam Driver character. Well, Would yes. you say that's accurate? Hundred percent. And then Greta Gerwig is the hotness now, and like pretty mainstream hotness. So it's really funny you say this, right? And so, so the, movie, a, how the movie, well, and you also got to know that his previous marriage that he left for Greta Gerwig was Jennifer Jason Lee, who is you know her, the um, actress. She's uh, in a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm but I'm the parallel to... with her the in Charlotte Scarjo in the movie is she was also a teen star. Oh, she was. Yes, yeah, yeah. She's oh, uh, okay. Fast Times. And then she's and, in the character girl, yeah, which and, is the parallel of the girl who sh- like Scar Joe shows her tits, that whole thing. And then, so and then they broke up, and then they got divorced. You're saying, yeah. So Noah Baumbach did a fascinating interview with I believe New York Times, where he kind of just like answered all these questions of like guys, like you need to understand, like yes, there are themes in this movie that are come from my marriage, but like this is not it. If it, and I listened close to him, and Chuck Closterman, who I love anything he says, he was like, he's like my read on it is actually it's kind of. More of it's a little bit taken from his Gerwig relationship with, like, the, you know, the co-writing stuff they talk about and all that and, like, how, like, she says something and then ends up in one of his plays and yeah. all that. He's like, so I just think it's a complete well, now And then at the end of the movie, uh, spoiler alert, but... Uh, Wait, we're recording? ScarJo. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, we've been recording. I might throw this at the end. I might That'd be fun this, to put at the end, yeah. I might move this to the very end Don't and put just in the explain beginning. at the end. No, explain at the end. If you want a little movie combo, just a little movie breakdown. But um, what's... Uh, but at the end of the movie... Uh, ScarJo becomes a big time director. She wins an Emmy yep. for directing, right? And yeah. so then now you have so Gerwig, think, who's becoming big time. Hey, look, everybody draws from their life exactly. experiences. But I'm it's not, not one it's to one. one, to one. No, That's no, no, the key no. point. Yeah. So this is something. It's what Tolkien always said. Yeah. Tolkien hated uh, 
oh, allegory, yeah. right? He liked applicability. Where because because allegory originates in the author's mind, applicability originates in the in the viewers. You you take whatever is is said in the movie and you kind of apply it to the themes that appeal to you or that you see. And so yeah, and so Bombax is writing a story that you know, at least in part is Kind of influence, definitely not one to one. And he said he even showed Jennifer Jason Lee the movie, and she was like, "Yeah, she didn't have a problem with it because like it wasn't her. She knew it wasn't her. Like, yeah, that, it's but there are parts of his marriage that he got from it." Um, Man, it is it is it's crazy, a perfect though. movie. I it think. is it is so good. It's my favorite movie I've seen in years. It's just uh, it, super- I don't know the the I, I just couldn't believe how much I laughed, and, and I thought the music oh, yeah. being this kind of light. The, the scene where she serves him is one of the best scenes I can remember in a <laughs> I mean, while. It's like, is. like, so what does the pie have to do with it? What? What about the pie? Is like, well, it doesn't, doesn't feel good. <laughs> I mean, there's, I can't even remember off the top of my head. There's just even like subtle moments, like moments that should be sad, and they are in a way, but they're also so absurd, and it just shows kind of the absurdity of what it takes to get divorced at times. Uh, it's it's great. It's great beginning to end. Um, and yeah, I, you know, a lot of people are scared to go into it because they think it's going to be too heavy. I didn't find that. I didn't find that at all. No, and everyone, yeah, well, I saw, remember the joke was I saw it with Claire. Someone's like, you're going to see a movie about divorce with your significant other. Yeah. I don't know about you. I left that movie, like, and a lot of people have said this, like, I left that movie more confident in, like, marriage and love and those kind of things. Like, it doesn't leave you in, like, a everything's going to end bad or, like, no. no I, 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 I didn't find a very cynical place confident. either. I, I don't know that I took, I don't know that I took anything out, like, in terms of, like, how it applies to relationships as a whole. I did find it very fascinating to think on their specific relationship, right? Because... I think that Adam Driver's character is kind of fascinating in that he is controlling and he is selfish, but he doesn't necessarily realize it. Like, I don't think it's like from a malicious standpoint. Exactly. And it just kind of, it's how their relationship <laughs> developed. And that's why the movie, I think when I look back on it, like historically, while I look back on this as one of the best I can remember is because usually when you see any kind of breakup movie, it's kind of clear. You're going to take sides and that's natural, right? Like yeah. you're going to, this movie borderline perfectly leaves you in a very middle spot of like, he did the bad thing. He cheated, right? Like all that. And he's the one who kind of has more like dickish traits, but then- and like you said, but it wouldn't come from Lish's point of view. But then when the divorce happened, she's the one who escalated it. Even if not intentionally, yeah. she had a right to. Yeah. She had things she was upset about. But she's the one who actually made it worse and kind of like ambushed him and took what was supposed to be a civil thing into a bad thing. And like everybody has their very valid point of views. And like I just left this movie feeling like both sides are like 1000% validated, which is so hard to actually pull off. And what's crazy is the cheating wasn't even that big of a deal to me. It was more which, the controlling stuff. Which, it was more the like. Yeah. You know, the fact that she wanted more voice and she didn't have it. And it's interesting because even the letters that they write to each other, which which are used to great effect, both the beginning (sighs) and the end of the movie. But in her letter, even though it's very sweet and it is tinged with love, in her letter, you do get a sense of the insecurities that (laughs) she has because of the relationship. When she's kind of constantly putting herself down while putting him on a pedestal. So that's exactly, that's thank you for saying that. That's like the exact thing I think when I knew like this movie is genius is because, so yeah, the movie bookends with the beginning and the end is them basically like in, in a creative way is them reading these letters of why they love each other. And when you get to that ending, when they read it again, you realize every single trait that they love each other, but like the, that is specifically why they love each other, is still inherently the thing that actually drives them away from each other. Yeah. Which just yeah. kind of tells you like that is what love is, right? That is like love and hate. And it comes from the same place. And like that is the genius of that movie is that it's, the traits are the same. It's and so well done. Sometimes things just break apart. So subtly written. So subtly acted, 
Um, yeah, Driver. I think Driver deserves best. And it's it's the best best actor you can remember in a like decades. And I think Driver deserves it, which is yeah, tough. You know, which I, says a lot. I thought. Um, I thought you know, obviously like somebody like Joaquin Phoenix was great in Joker, right? But but to 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 carry the the, the Adam Driver's and even in these like Star Wars movies, Adam Driver's ability to communicate just through through subtlety, like 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 true acting is is it is. Um, I don't know that I've seen anybody, and admittedly, I didn't get to watch nearly as many movies this year. Yeah. But I, I didn't see anybody else that came close That's to me. I agree. I actually do agree. But like, it's such a tough year because you have. Joaquin Phoenix, who's currently the odds favorite. Adam is Dry- he actually the odds favorite? Which I th- shocked me. I, I, thought, I thought it would be just a little too flamboyant to to yeah. earn the respect of kind of the uh, you know the the toughest. But critics. it's such a pervasive movie. Even if I don't agree with it, like I, yeah. I, I think it, it just everyone talked about that movie. Drivers two right now. Christian Bale's three. Brad Pitt four for Ad Astra, which I think firmly does. And like. Ad Astra, that's a. I mean, I've heard like that's my number. People love that movie, or they hate. That's my number five of the year. Oh wow, I know multiple people that like shit all over that movie. Yeah, Um, cold, emotionless, which blows my mind. Oh my god, Leo's not even in the running when I think Leo deserves to be the best picture. For once but he, time. you know, but he got his. It's Leo's. Leo's whole career has been weird. Like funny. even I think Revenant that's the best was more like, yeah, exactly. But even Revenant was more like a coordination. Than... Revenant's like number thirteen on my list of Leo performances. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm just chucking that number up. But that's what I'm saying. That that was just more like, okay, look, man, he he put it all like he, he put his ass in the line. He works his ass off. God. It's been probably deserved. Eight in whiskey the past. sours. Uh, so uh, oh yeah, I still haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That oh, has to be my I number one. Okay. That that has to be my. I figured that's what that was from. That has to be my. That and Irishman, I I really want to see their so next two on the list. We're not going to go Parasite. Down, we're not going to go down my list of 2010s movie rankings, which by the way does not factor in 2019 yet. Well, well, give me your top ten from 2010, from 2019. Excuse me, from 2019. Okay, and keep in mind when I say this, my one through three are just so close. I'm not sure of the order yet. But number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number okay. two, Marriage Story. Okay. Number three, Parasite. Okay. Number four, The Souvenir. Uh, it's kind of an indie movie. Nathan uh, loves that movie too. That ended up. On I, his it just top like 10. affected me as much as any movie did this year. It's, what is the souvenir? What's it about? <laughs> it's basically about like a college age like film student like kind of falling into a relationship with a very unstable like drug addict man. And okay. It's just like tears you apart, and it's just so like beautiful too though, and like you're having fun the whole time, even though it's yeah, it's just I love it. It's also okay. it's made by uh oh the actress is Tilda Swinton and David Byrne's daughter. That's her first ever movie, and she's amazing. Tilda Swinton is one of the most unique-looking human beings and uh, is, on the planet. And now imagine that with David Byrne. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know David Byrne. I was talking about um, at what? Astra number five. Okay, Uncut Gems number six. I was going to ask about Uncut Gems. I'm very excited. Actually, that I want to see too, but I don't know that I'll make it's it. Just, you just have to see it. Yeah. I've heard it. Just everybody <laughs> that says it comes out the exact same way, saying it is. One of the hardest things to watch from an anxiety standpoint ever. That you are constantly on the edge of your seat. And it's a very different kind of anxiety that I've ever watched. It's not like a, it is a thriller, but it's not like your normal like, like, is there going to get killed or not? It's just like every little interaction gives you anxiety. It's amazing. Adam Taylor's as good as everyone says. He's very good. Like I don't think he's as good as some of the other best actor candidates we have this year, but he's really good. So he's below. Who who else would you? Who would you put above Sandler on that list for best actor? Pitt. This is my personal. I go yeah. Pitt, Pitt. Phoenix, DiCaprio, Driver, Driver. Yeah, I, I didn't love De Niro as much as everyone else did. So no. Um, <laughs> all right, that's number seven. Seven Ford v Ferrari. I love that. I didn't see it. That's great. Eight Long Shot. What's Long Shot? It's the uh, Charlie's Theron, uh, Seth Rogen movie, the rom com. How'd you miss this? This was what? a huge summer hit, what? spring hit. Really? Charlie's Theron, Seth Rogen. Yeah. 
I've never even heard of this movie. This is the first time I've ever heard of this movie. I love it. It's a Seth huge Rogen. hit. Yeah, it's on. It's on all the streaming things now. It's wow, the spring. Okay, there you go. It's a good date night movie because it's just like, it's it's one of the best rom coms I've watched. And in a Charlie Theron's very funny, and she doesn't get chances to do what she's. She never ever because she's one of those actresses who wants to take like kind of like a ScarJo in general, where she wants to take these like tough roles that kind of like unbeautify her a little yeah. bit. So like this is one of the first times I've ever seen her just like lean into like I'm charming and fun and hot and like. She's perfect in this movie. She's done. Uh, I'm trying to think about what I've seen her in comedically. Uh, it wasn't a very good Young movie. Young adult's but pretty funny. The movie with Seth MacFarlane, Thousand yes. Ways to Die in the She's West, funny, or whatever. Yeah. She's funny in that. Have you ever seen her on Between Two Ferns? Not not the movie, no. but the old Between I Two Ferns. But I'm sure she's great. She is. She looks stoned up, but she is hilarious. She, she but likes you, to party. You yeah no you but not tell. in like a like scandalous way. Just like homegirl likes to drink. Yeah like, no you you could tell that they were they were they they were they were having some fun uh, for her eyes are all blood. She's kind of giggling. Uh, but yeah, Charlie's there in between two. Number nine is Waves. Uh, you probably don't know it, but don't it's an incredible indie movie. Um, <laughs> Listen to this coffee and cigarettes list, Joe. Just I mean, how many movies have we never heard? Of? <laughs> <laughs> number my, number eight, it's a rom com. Number ten, Knives Out. Uh, oh, I can't! I gotta. It's see so Knives fun. Out. Yeah. I love. I will Ryan say, Toy Johnson. Story Four is my number twelve. I'm really high on that. I'm very low on. I Toy think it's Story. my and second favorite. This Toy Story. is coming from someone who is. I am obsessed with Toy Story. I have seen yeah. the first Toy Story. No, no joke. At least two hundred times. I've, I've, especially now with Alice because she's obsessed. I've been cranking that number even up more. But like, even in college, I had a weird thing where it's the only movie I owned on my iPhone. And whenever I'd get really, <laughs> really drunk, I'd put on Toy Story or Matrix Reloaded. It was one or the other. Um, but, but I, I love, I love those movies. And Toy Story Four just didn't do it. Somebody asked a question on Twitter. What was the most all right movie of 2019 like wow. the most all right movie not good not bad all right that might be toy story 4 for me it's not bad but it didn't do anything for it it, it doesn't have the same it's 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 much more just purely a woody story yes. over the kind of cast you know the ensemble of the other movies and i miss the ensemble i mean i miss the interaction between all the characters but do you think your opinion on the movies like fact it's heavily factored in by like it's kind of like the star wars thing of like you didn't get what you wanted out of it no because you know no because i didn't i didn't know what i wanted like i had expectations for star wars in directions that i would have liked it to go uh and, and i still i actually liked i still liked rise of skywalker more than i like toy story 3 all, or four, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Even though I have more negative things to say about Rise of Skywalker, I'm a, I want to say I'm a huge toy. Yeah, I mean, that, make, that makes sense. Uh, I thought Toy Story Four was just a little bland. See, that's funny. It didn't I thought hit it was me the with most, any emotional punch. I at thought all. it was the most like intellectual, like nuanced. Emo- I think it's the most emotional of the other ones. I think Toy Story Three, everyone points to, is like the cry one. But that's a different kind. That's like a very like I'm going to sound condescending, but like that's a very like straightforward emotion of like. It's the one everyone cried at the end at, so they think it's the most emotional one. It's like, that's kind of like a manipulative, and by the way, it affected me too. I'm not arguing that, but like, yeah. it's more of like a manipulative, like, this is your childhood. You're crying because you were eight, you were like a kid when this came out, and now you're saying goodbye to all, like Andy and all that stuff. And it was like a, like, this one, like, was really, like, introspective and smart about, like, aging and what, like, the value of life is and, like, trying to make something out of your third act and, like, what's your value? Like, I just found it really smart. And I think it's like my second favorite Toy Story. Yeah. yeah, see, it just didn't hit as much with me. Probably actually because they tried to go too intellectual. Yeah. Whereas, like, to me, I just love like the jokes where. For sure. In Toy Story 2, they're driving through the supermarket, and the Barbie tour guy leads them around, and they go it's to the, the Barbie best. Palace. Yeah. Or, I'm not arguing that. Or Toy Story 3, where they're at the daycare and. They screw them over, and then they have like the jail, the the, the night great. camp, and everything. Yeah, no, I'll take. 
I think Toy Story 4 is like the, you know how Marvel's getting really good at like, they can make their huge hits and they can also make their creative niches yeah. where they go down like like a Thor Ragnarok, for example, or something, or Doctor Strange or whatever. I think Toy Story 4 is like the Pixar, like, let's let somebody make something like unique, you know, let's like, let's make something like, that's their vision, yeah. It just, yeah, like I said, you, you know what else I didn't love? A little too much interaction with humans. I want my Toy Stories to be worried about breaking those rules. I like my toys to like respect, like, okay, when humans are around, we kind of got to chill. And they went like all out in Toy Story 4. I mean, they're faking a GPS voice. They're driving the car at points. They're getting the dad like arrested to get back to the to the carnival or whatever. It's a good note. I, I, if I had to rank them, I'd go one, three, two, four. That's my right. See the 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 film nerd hot take, which I don't agree with, is that like a lot of people really think Toy Story Two is the best one. Like a lot of like film people. I'm not saying I agree. I haven't watched it in probably 15 years either. It's, it's fantastic. It's the least I've, watched. I've, one. I've, yeah. I've watched them all. I've watched them all constantly because, like I said, Alice just lets on to Toy Story and Frozen for whatever reason. I mean, dude, I don't think you can beat Toy Story One. But I I'm, agree. An origin, favorite, I'm an origin yeah. story guy. I'm not but always. It but is, I think it's it the is best. an hour and ten minutes of really tight. Script. Is it only an hour ten? Good. It's only an hour ten minutes. First ever, first ever full length animated, uh, a computer animated movie though, uh, which is fascinating. Yeah, it came out sense. in nineteen ninety five. I don't think I realized that. So the great story. I've watched all the making of these movies. The great story. They have a day that they call Black Monday, where they have all the Disney executives in and they show them the first cut of the movie. And at that time, they're taking notes from Disney and everything they kept giving back to Lasseter and company, which you know John Lasseter. It's, kind of crazy the direction his career took yeah. but um you know at the time they're telling him it's got to be edgier it's got to be edgier it's got to be darker edgier and so in this first cut woody's a dick and it's like <laughs> painfully yeah. unfunny so they show it to the executives they're like this is terrible they threaten to fire everyone they're telling him you got to fire everyone you got to bring pixar in-house you got to come to florida you're going to do this in-house lasseter tells him look give us two weeks give us two weeks and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rework this thing. Wow. We're gonna come back to y'all in those two weeks, grinding twenty four seven. They said, "Screw this. We're not taking notes. We're making the movie we want to make." They come back two weeks later. They show them it's much more the story you know now, and the people are blown away. The executives asked them, "Like, did y'all take funny pills? Like, how did y'all?" Is there like, like a documentary on this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I would love to watch yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I, I'm a big making of guy. I love all behind the scenes stuff. I'm not and, always, uh, but I would love to see that one. Yeah, and so yeah, they call it Black. Is he the Black? I think it was Black Monday, not Black Tuesday. Uh, but uh, by the way, you need. You probably don't you need to go do stuff with your daughter. Uh, yes, yes. I guess we should. Oh, it is nine forty. Also, Ed talks at like eleven thirty, so I probably gotta. Okay. Well. Um. All right. So this, this is awesome, is, though. This so we recorded this before the podcast, but if you just listen to it, you listen at the end of the podcast. So happy New Year, happy twenty twenty. <laughs> have a great day, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Now let's.